Coming at you from historic New Brunswick, New Jersey, this is the Matt Ward History Experience. My name's Matt Ward, and I'll be your tour guide today. On this episode, we will explore the history of Madame Day's Boxing Camp in Chatham Township, New Jersey, with historian and author Jean Pantalone. The Matt Ward History Experience is brought to you by One Stone Recording and Mastering in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Check out One Stone Recording and Mastering for all of your mixing and mastering needs. One Stone Recording and Mastering is online at onestonerecording.com. This segment of The Weigh-In with Gene Pantalone was recorded on location in New Providence, New Jersey. During this interview, we were able to discuss boxing history and Gene's book, Madam Bay's Home to Boxing Legends. Without further delay, here it is, The Weigh-In. Please introduce yourself to my listeners. My name is Gene Pantalone. I'm the author of the new book on boxing called Madam Bay's Home to Boxing Legends. When did, you, when did you become interested in the sport of boxing? Uh, very, very early age, probably in the mid-60s. I think I remember one of my first fights I watched on TV was Ali Corey. I think that was the one that really got me interested. You recently wrote the book, Madam Bay's Home to Boxing Legends. Who was Madam Bay? Madam Bay was an aristocratic woman who was born in Constantinople, Turkey which is now Istanbul. She immigrated to the U.S. in 1897 with her future husband and mother. From there she went to Washington, D.C. She was only 16 years old and her husband became the second secretary to the Turkish delegation. Madam Bay started up a boxing camp. Where was this camp located? The camp was located in Chatham Township, New Jersey. What years was Madam Bay's boxing camp in operation? It started in in the summer of 1923, and in November of 1923, she relocated it to her own house. It lasted until... 1969, but it was it changed ownership in 1942 when Madame Bay passed away. Who were some of the popular fighters of the early 20th century who trained at Madame Bay's? The most popular ones that come to mind were Mickey Walker, who was both middleweight and welterweight champion and actually challenged for the heavyweight title at one time. Uh, Many of the great heavyweights of the era uh, in succession were Gene Tunney, Max Schmeling, Jack Sharkey, Max Baer, Primo Carnera, James Braddock, uh, Joe Lewis was a visitor, though he never trained there. Jersey Joe Walcott, uh, Ezra Charles, and the last heavyweight champion to train there was Floyd Patterson. Wow, very impressive list. What did Madame Bay mean to the town of Chatham, New Jersey? She, she meant a lot in that it, it drew a lot of people to the town. When she, she put on boxing exhibitions 
with some of these great boxers that would have made promoters at the time proud. Uh, the, she drew crowds to her outdoor boxing rings of close to 3,000 people wow. when the town's population was less than 1,000. <laughs> and a, a boxing publicist by the name of Carmine Bellotti, he said that at the time, you could, the River Road where the camp was located, that cars filled her, cars and limousines filled her driveway and the road as far as you could see. Wow. Do you have any interesting stories from local residents about Madame Bay's boxing camp? Uh, could we just freeze for a second? Sure. Do you have any interesting stories from local residents about Madame Bay's boxing camp? Uh, one of the most interesting stories, uh, more more through my research than uh, than through a local resident. Resident, I'll get to some of the local residents later. But Max Schmeling, his story was of particular interest. He came to this country. He he held German titles, but when he came to this country, he was unknown. And he had a hard time, and he lived in New York for a while, and he quickly found he was running out of money. And on top of that, when he came to this country, his hand was broken. So he couldn't even train. And uh, a a boxer by the name of Bud Gorman met him when they were both in Germany, or when Bud Gorman was visiting in Germany. And he always told Max Schmeling about this camp in Chatham Township run by a woman. So when he was over here and he was broke, he had nothing. He showed up at Madame Bay's one day. And just to show the compassion of uh, Madame Bay and the rapport between the fighters, she took him in and said, don't worry about the money. Because when you're on top, you'll be able to pay me. (laughs) <laughs> and she even sent him to I think the doctor's name was Freilich who was in New York and he was one of the top sports medicine doctors at the time and most of the top fighters went to him he, she sent him to the doctor and even paid to have his busted hand broken and uh, all the German doctors told him just rest it'll get better and doctor there found he had a bone chip Oh. And he actually extracted the bone chip, and after that, he was good. And his first several fights uh, that he fought in America, he always used Madame Bay's as his uh, base. And even when he started getting popular, more popular, he didn't use another training camp, although he could have picked anyone he wanted at the time. Mm-hmm. He uh, chose to stay at Madame Bay's. And I, I remember when he, his first fight at in America at Madison Square Garden, Tex Ricard, the famous promoter, was in the crowd, and uh, Schmeling's best punch was his right cross. Mm-hmm. And he threw the right cross and took the guy down. And uh, Ricard, who was a very reserved person, jumped up, banged his cane, and said, what a right hand. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, 
they, his career just took off from there and he started beating some uh, pretty good fighters. Uh, probably the one that really brought him to the top when he fought the, the Cleveland rubber man. Because uh, everybody said he couldn't, he was called the Cleveland rubber man because people couldn't knock him down or when they knocked him down, uh, he got right back up. Mm -hmm. And Schmeling TKO'd him. Wow. Uh, as far as resident stories, my my brother, who's ten years older than I am, attended the camp probably when he was sixteen, seventeen. I was only six or seven, so I don't. I, I remember the boxers, but I don't recall the names and stuff. Mm -hmm. My brother used to. They they would actually let him train with them. Uh, a fighter by the name of Doug Jones, who had an important fight with Ali when Ali was just coming up. And some people even thought Doug Jones uh, had beaten Ali, but he was he was giving him a hard time in the first seven rounds, but Ali really came on in the last three. Probably, probably beat him in the last three rounds. But uh, Doug Jones used to jog with my brother in the morning. Cool. And... One of the things I remember is that he told me he used to do when he jogged is he would use telephone poles and he would jog between the telephone poles and then the next set of telephone poles he would sprint oh. and then he'd jog again the next set. So that would build up his stamina. And the other other person my brother remembers clearly that being there is probably an infamous fighter by the name of Reuben Hurricane Carter. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing my brother always remembered was when he would work out in the gym, he, he would hit the heavy bag. And every time he hit it, he would chant and he would say, ain't it a, ain't it a shame, the sun won't shine. And my brother <laughs> named, did not know what he meant by it. It must have meant something to him. I guess my brother didn't want to question him about it. <laughs> yeah. But he would do that every time he'd hit the bag. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Do you know of any buildings that are still standing that are associated with Madame Bay or her boxing camp? I was told that the uh, the foundation of the ranch house that's on the property now is the foundation of the old gym. Oh, okay. So the foundation's still there. Somebody told me one of the old shacks still exists back there. And also the... Uh, the remnants of the old outdoor ring, mm -hmm. the the posts are still rotting in the ground. Oh. I was told that, but th those are the only things from Madden Bay's house. There was another boxing camp uh, that uh, was down the street from it because there was four boxing camps in Chatham Township. Mm -hmm. They converted some of the gyms into houses, so they're still standing. Oh, wow. What did you most enjoy about researching and writing your book? Probably just the contrasts of the fighters and the, the, the woman that ran it and the contrast between the fighters themselves and who they actually were as a person and not what the public perceived in the press, these just brutes and stuff. And right. I think Madame Bay humanized them. She didn't treat them like commodities mm -hmm. that they were. 
that other people treated him as. You know, they were they were always people to her first, and uh, she always said they're her boys, and she always said around me they act like complete gentlemen. I don't want to know what they are like in the ring. And <laughs> she only attended two fights, and I know the one fight she attended, the last fight she attended was the first Amherst Armstrong fight, oh, which yeah. was just a brutal fight. Took took a lot out of both fighters. And uh, one of the bloodiest fights in, in 1997, it was named the 12th best championship fight of all time. Do you have a uh, particularly favorite fighter that you researched? Two of my favorite fighters are probably not the most well-known, but it would have to be Lou Ambers, who is a light, two-time lightweight champion. He's just one of the nicest guys. He was perceived as being like in perpetual happiness all the time. Yeah, He could play instruments. He's just a great guy to be around. But when he was in the ring, he was relentless. And he would, he had only one objective, and that was to beat you. Yep. And uh, he also had one of the best corners, I think, in the history of boxing. He had Whitey Bemstein, who was one of the greatest trainers and cut men. He had Goldman, who was one of the best trainers. And he had Al Weil, who was probably one of the best managers. And all three of those people were involved in Rocky Marciano's oh. team. Especially Goldman was his trainer. Al Weil, and along with his son, was his manager. And Whitey Bimstein was also in his corner many times. Very cool. Who's your uh, other fighter? The other fighter I was thinking of that was one of my favorites was uh, Ken Overland. He was a middleweight champ, and when he came to Madame Bay's, uh, he had never been to a training camp before. Oh. Right? Not, not the kind that Madame Bay ran, not in the woods and stuff, and he did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he liked Madame Bay, yeah. and he even left her a signed picture that said, thanks a million. Yeah, basically for everything you've done, and he won his title from there when he set, when he fought Seferino Garcia, and he, he was another really good guy. But he he did not have much power, but he just had tremendous boxing skills. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's all that matters, right? <laughs> yeah, you gotta be smart in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta be smart. It's better to be smart than power. Now we're only getting you so far. Agreed, agreed. Do you have any plans to write another book? At this time, I I don't. I have any plans to write another book. I find an interesting topic. Hopefully another boxing topic. I would consider it. Oh, cool. Is there anything else you'd like to say to my listeners? Hmm. I just hope that you would enjoy the book and when you read it just remember just just the contrast between the personalities of people the the boxers what they were like as people as opposed to 
how they were in the ring. Very well said, Gene. Gene, thank you very much for staying down with me this afternoon. If you have a history event that you would like promoted on my blog and podcast, please contact me via Twitter, Facebook, or on my blog. I will be happy to promote your event free of charge. That does it for the 11th episode of the Matt Ward History Experience. The Matt Ward History Experience is brought to you by One Stone Recording and Mastering in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Check out One Stone Recording and Mastering for all of your mixing and mastering needs. Go to onestonerecording.com slash mwhistory and receive 10% off of your first session. I want to thank my guest, Gene Pantalone, and you, the listeners. Gene can be reached via his Facebook page and Twitter. The links to these sites are posted on my blog. You can now be like our friend J.P. Favera and support the Matt Ward History Experience on Patreon. You can support us for as little as $1 a month. Your pledge will go directly towards travel expenses and studio fees. Thank you again, J.P., for being a part of our team. I hope the weather in Florida is great. Last but certainly not least, I want to thank my good friend Peter Lloyd at One Stone Recording and Mastering for providing tech support for this episode. I can be reached on the blog, the Matt Ward History Experience at mwhistoryexperience.com, on Twitter, at RevWarBuff23, or via my Facebook page. Until next time, I'm Matt Ward, and this is the Matt Ward History Experience.